off and the clock has started. This is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. That's right. This is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak. And let's give it up for Shauna from Lincoln, California. She was uh, today's announcer. A fantastic job, Shauna. Thank you very much for doing that. I appreciate that. Now, you may recall in the last episode, I said that I was out of announcers. I ran out of my my spy supply. And I put a call out for uh, people to, you know, if you want to be the announcer for a show, here's how you do it. And Shauna stepped up and said, gosh darn it, Doug. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do it. So she sent me in a audio file of, of her announcer. And I said, I'll put it in the show. And I did. There you go, Shauna. Thank you very much. Now, if you wanted to do, you want to participate, you're more than welcome. Uh, all I have to do is go to the, uh, the official website of 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. And then all the information is on there, how you can do that. The website is 20, and then the word minutes podcast.com 20 minutes podcast.com go there and you click on the link that says I want to be an announcer and it'll tell you all you need to do it's very easy send me the file and then uh, I'll put you in a show hopefully also if you're into that whole insta place uh, bookgram thing uh, I, I have apparently I have a site that my director of social media set up for me it's uh, I gotta remember this it's 20 M-Y-N-G-B. In other words, 20 minutes you'll never get back because somebody already took 20 minutes. No comment. Uh, and you go there and, and, and you can follow me and you'll find out when each new episode has been posted. And uh, uh, there's not much else to follow there. I, I suppose I could post a recipe or something like that. I'll think about it. Anyway, that's what's going on. Uh, I think it's time to start the show since it's already been two minutes and I only have 18 minutes left for this episode. So let's get cracking. You know, we've all been cooped up for the past uh, nine, six months since, since beginning of March. Uh, couldn't go anyplace. And now slowly things are opening. But what's going on? People are getting out in the cars. They just want to go somewhere. I'm guilty of that too. I just want to get out and just, I don't even care where the end destination is. Just get in the car and go somewhere. So that kind of made me think a little bit, and I thought about my uh, my uh, early childhood many, many, many years ago. My mom and dad would pile us into the car, and we'd go off, and we would hit roadside attractions. Yep, that's the topic for today's show, roadside attractions. Now, part of the fun, unless you're the person driving the car, are all the games that people play in the car. You know, I the, the whole 99 bottles of beer in the wall song, uh, that usually petered out around 78, 77 bottles. Uh, and if you're the driver, you just have to sit there and smile and, and go with it. There's the uh, the car bingo. I see this. I see that. All those kind of fun things kind of kill the time until you finally end up at your, your destination. Now, I've been to a few of these in my, in my story career. <laughs> How do you have a story career? I've been to a few of these. And that's just the first words that came to my mouth. And I have no idea why I said that story career. <sighs> anyway, uh, I got to wondering just how did all these roadside attractions start? So, you know how it goes. That's right. I did the research so you don't have to. And by the way, I kind of calculated it out. So if I'm doing the research for you all, it takes me about uh, three hours to research each of these episodes. So that times number of downloads comes out to be 1,050 hours. Divide that by 24 hours in a day. That's 43 days worth of research I've saved you guys from having to do yourself. So it was my pleasure. You're welcome. 
Let's get back to the show. Now, a roadside attraction is a feature that's along the side of a road, duh, because uh, it's in the name, roadside attraction. And that's usually meant to attract tourists. Now, rarely are these the actual destination. More commonly, they're kind of places you might stop on the way to get somewhere else. And they're frequently advertised with big billboards of the largest this, the largest that. Now, when long distance travel became practical and popular in the 1920s, entrepreneurs began building restaurants and motels and coffee shops like that uh, to attract travelers. With the rise of the highways like Route 66, which was established in 1926, small towns and shops had to figure out how to catch the eye of people passing through, get them to stop and buy stuff. Now, many of these buildings were um, almost attractions into themselves, the form of a novelty architecture, you know, kind of depicting objects of enormous size, a giant coffee pot or something. Uh, and other attractions were monuments or pseudo-scientific amusements. One place like that for my childhood was a place called the Mystery Spot near uh, Santa Cruz, California. Uh, and that's where they had all kinds of bizarre things happening, like bowling balls rolling uphill and water pouring as if from nowhere. You know, now I understand why my dad just kind of rolled his eyes. Traditionally, these roadside attractions sell themselves as the world's largest something. You know, the world's largest ball made of tin foil or the world's largest chicken. Well, what was the world's first largest roadside attraction? Again, I got the answer. Now, the idea of building these uh, sort of super large objects as a publicity stunt to attract tourists is a relatively uniquely American innovation. And the founding father is a gentleman known as James Lafferty. Well, he's known that because that's his name. According to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, Lucy the Elephant was the first roadside attraction. In 1881, Lafferty found himself the owner of a stretch of undeveloped land just south of Atlantic City in New Jersey. He wanted to attract land buyers and raise his property value. He came up with the idea of building a gigantic elephant as a publicity stunt. And that $38,000 stunt worked for him because soon he was auctioning off land perched atop Lucy and the world's largest elephant would go on to be visited by thousands of people, including uh, President Woodrow Wilson. In 1882, Lafferty filed a patent on the giant buildings, quote, of the form of any other animal than the elephant and that of a fish, fowl, etc., which uh, notion he claimed was his invention. Now, though it's hard to say whether any earlier world's largest attractions might be lost to history, experts on the world's largest attractions usually point to Lucy as the original. Now, there's a few more world's largest attractions were built uh, between the introduction of Lucy and the invention of the Model T. There was uh, the world's largest hand-dug well, and that was in 1888, and the 12-foot biggest chair in Gardner, Massachusetts that was built in 1905. But the golden age of the world's largest attractions actually kind of took root in the 20s. Now, sometimes the answer was mimetic, mimetic, mimimetic, mimetic. My research sucks. Mimetic architecture, and that's buildings built in the shape of products the owners were selling. Californians began selling oranges out of giant orange-shaped buildings. 
Washingtonians and Pennsylvanians served coffee in giant coffee pot shaped buildings and Long Islanders sold eggs out of the Big Duck. More on that one later. Soon there were hot dog shaped hot dog stands which were quickly complemented by the world's largest ketchup bottle that was completed in 1949. And in the 1950s when Guinness World Records started publishing its books, small towns started to compete over who could take a given substance and build the world's largest ball out of it. Nebraskans began to build the world's largest ball of stamps. Meanwhile, Kansas and Minnesotans started what would become a decades-long battle who could build the world's largest ball of twine. In later decades, similar struggles would erupt all over who could build the world's largest ball of rubber bands and the world's largest ball of tape. And lastly, the world's largest ball of barbed wire. Ouch. Now, though it's American in origin, the, quote, world's largest attractions went global in the 1960s. Soon Australia and then New Zealand uh, started, they had a lot of open space. They started building their own road supersized attractions. However, they gave them the slightly more modest name of big things. Uh, Australia has the big pineapple, the big lobster, and New Zealand has uh, nationalistic things kind of like the big kiwis and the big kiwi fruit. They didn't want to go for the world's largest, I guess. Now, as you might suspect, uh, some items claiming to be the world's largest aren't really 100% truthful. What? They're not truthful? That's really not the largest one? For example, uh, the Village Voice noted in 2010, there are about six different frying pans claiming to be the world's largest, and a similar dispute has risen over who owns the world's largest rocking chair. Now, it seems that while many countries build big things, and that big things was in air quotes, only Americans dare to claim theirs are the biggest. With the construction of the U.S. interstate highway system in the mid-1950s, many of these roadside attractions were bypassed and quickly went out of business. If you want to know what I mean, just watch the movie Cars, Cars 1. Uh, some remained attractive enough to divert travelers from the interstate for a brief time and, and get a, a quick bite to eat or something, and they remained open. Um, but the best example of this shutdown is, again, along Route 66 when they opened up Interstate 40. That provided nonstop travel to Phoenix, and things along Route 66 kind of withered up. But fear not, my faithful listeners, there are still hundreds of them left, and I will give you a rundown of some of them right after this break. Nickel, 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 nickel. That is going to be stuck in my head for weeks. I just know it. Uh, we left off talking about uh, roadside attractions, and I said there were hundreds of them everywhere. Relax, I'm not going to go through all hundreds of them that are everywhere. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through and pick some of the states where I know I've got listeners and tell you what uh, you can go see in your state if you haven't already. 
And for those of, those of us who don't live in your state, we know we can go see when we go visit your state. And vice versa, when you come visit our state, you can see what there is to see there. So let's kind of kick things off with Alaska. I absolutely love Alaska. It's my favorite place. Um, Alaska in Haines, Haines, Alaska, there is the Hammer Museum. That one's kind of self-explanatory. It's a museum dedicated to hammers. This roadside attraction uh, is right off of the Haines Highway, and there you'll find about 2,000 hammers on display, some of them dating back to Roman times. Uh, there are other hammer museums in other cities, but this one was the first. Uh, if you want to see another one, check out my garage. I've got uh, exactly three hammers there, so feel free to stop by. And the best thing of all, there's no admission fee. One of the more popular roadside attractions are dinosaurs. And uh, White Post, Virginia is no exception. They have dinosaur land. They have over 50 towering handmade dinosaur statues. And if you go there, uh, take a picture and send it to me and I'll, I'll post it on my website. I guarantee that. I will post it if you go to dinosaur land and take a picture of you by one of the dinosaurs. Heck, I'll even post it on that whole Insta, Insta place thing I have. This next attraction uh, comes to us from Vandalia, Illinois, and it's the Kaskaskia Dragon. This one truly is a roadside attraction. It's a giant 35-foot-long metal monster dragon that shoots flame. Uh, $1 will buy you 10 seconds worth of flame. If you want more, drop another dollar in. Uh, this guy built this thing, and it was originally going to be a float and a parade, but they didn't, couldn't do that. So they put it in by the side of the store. He actually owns a hardware store. Um, people kept saying, can you make the dragon breathe fire? And he got tired of doing that. So he made an arrangement with the liquor store across the street. And you can buy the dragon tokens at the liquor store, drop them in there, and the, the uh, uh, dragon will shoot flames for 10 seconds. That is a roadside attraction right there, I'm telling you. Dublin, Ohio is the home of the Field of Giant Corn Cobs. <laughs> this corn. I'm sorry. This former cornfield has 109 people-sized ears of concrete corn standing on end for you to go look at. Uh, it's on a site where uh, Sam Franz, who kind of did hybrid corns, he, he had that property there. Sam developed these different uh, hybrid corns, and after his farming days were done uh, and he passed away, the estate was donated to the Dublin uh, city of Dublin, where the Dublin Arts Council hired an architect to create environment of corn, and that was completed in 1994. Three different molds were used to create the concrete ears of corn. The variety that Cochrane used was, quote, quote, a double-cross hybrid called corn belt dent corn. It's not your everyday corn in the cob. It's the corn belt dent corn. And in the field next door, they have a display of gigantic corn cob uh, holder pokey things. I'm just kidding. I made that up. Sorry. Audubon, Iowa is the home of Albert the Bull. They claim Albert is the world's largest bull, and he's been guarding the uh, streets of Audubon since 1964. He's 28 feet tall and has a 15-foot span between the horns. You know, there's other bulls, uh, you know, that are in front of steakhouses, but those are all fiberglass. No, Albert, he is bigger, and he's not going anywhere. He weighs 45 tons. And if you go into the information kiosk next to Albert there, you can push a button and Albert will tell you that he is a replica of a perfect Hereford bull, nine times larger than life size and quote, authentic right down to my toenails. That is TMI on that bull. 
And if you're driving around Bluff City, Tennessee, stop in and see the Backyard Terrors Dinosaur Park. Yep, more dinosaurs. It's uh, six acres that are wooded and has over 70 life-size dinosaurs. Owner Chris says the attraction got his name partly because his creations are, quote, big, crazy, and sometimes scary. And he also says partly because, quote, kids can be backyard terrors too, especially the kids who rip out the teeth of Chris's dinosaurs. Yes, backyard terrors. The next stop on our uh, cross-country road trip is uh, Salem, Massachusetts, besides obviously being very historical. They have a statue of Samantha from Bewitched. Uh, Apparently there's a lot of controversy after TV Land donated the statue, but they decided to put it in the park, and now you can go see a statue of Samantha from Bewitched. Check that one off your list. In Ironwood, Michigan, you can see the uh, world's largest Indian, Hiawatha. Uh, Michigan's Hiawatha statue is quoted as the world's tallest and largest Indian. That's what it says on the plaque right in the front, but apparently it's not. Uh, There is another statue in Maine that's 10 feet taller. But if you do go there, apparently down the block on Suffolk Street there, there is a neon Hiawatha head outside of Oki's Bar, just so you can kind of get two Hiawathas with one visit. I mentioned the uh, Big Duck. That's in Flanders, New York. Uh, In 1931, Riverhead Duck Farmer Martin Maurer commissioned some local builders to create the 10-ton object sculpture. I don't know what you want to call it. It's a giant duck. And you can uh, go in there. The taillights from a Model T Ford became its eyes. And uh, he sells eggs from the belly. Now that's a gift shop and you can go in there and buy all kinds of duck things if that's what you're in the market for. And I'm saving the best for last because it's right out of my childhood. Klamath, California has the Trees of Mystery, Giant Paul Bunyan, and Babe the Blue Ox. The Trees of Mystery was created in 1931 and it was called Wonderland Redwood Park, then it was called the Kingdom of Trees, and then it was eventually sold and rebranded as Trees of Mystery. The new owners immediately built a giant Paul Bunyan statue in the parking lot out of paper mache, and it lasted one year because the winter rains came and Paul's head melted and came crashing to the ground. In 1947, a 24-foot tall replacement Bunyan appeared, crafted out of wood framing and concrete. Uh, Babe the Blue Ox was added in 1951. And in 1959, a third-generation Bunyan was twice as large and designed to go up in time for the 1962 Seattle World's Fair. They were hoping to capture the traffic heading up north to go see that. Uh, The 49-foot-tall Bunyan talks to people, and I can't tell you the amount of time I spent standing there yelling questions at uh, Paul Bunyan and getting answers I didn't understand. But it was cool because this big, gigantic statue was talking to a little tiny kid with glasses, uh, that made my day. That was our uh, our favorite road trip to a roadside attraction, the Trees of Mystery. Man, there are so many more places I just didn't have time for. Places like uh, Alexandria, Indiana's uh, the world's biggest ball of paint. Moab, Utah has the hole in the rock. High Point, North Carolina, the world's largest chest of drawers. Love to see that one. And Cutbank, Montana has a talking penguin statue. All right, what did we learn today? Well, we learned that roadside attractions started in 1881 with a big elephant named Lucy. For $1, you can watch a metal dragon breathe fire for 10 seconds. That is the best spent dollar ever. And if you want to open your own roadside attraction, pick an object, build it bigger, and call it the world's largest and sell some souvenirs. That's it. Thanks for listening to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. 
，拜拜。Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you: if you want to stay informed of when、uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at、uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at two zero m y n g b twenty m y n g b, and that means twenty minutes you'll never get back.、Uh, if you sign up there, you'll、uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the、uh, website at twenty minutespodcast dot com. So it's two zero minutespodcast dot com, and、uh, you can、uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you like, and stay informed. And、I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to Twenty、uh, Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye bye.